The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to the Financial Focus Radio Show with your hosts, Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Join us as we discuss markets, bring transparency to issues within the financial services industry, and bring honest, thoughtful analysis every week. Welcome to Financial Focus Radio. Thanks for joining us on this weekend here in summer. Uh, I was just talking to our radio producer, and on Tuesday, the 21st of June, it's the longest day of the year. My favorite day of the year, the longest day of the year. But we have a little weather coming into Central Oregon. I remember, uh, well, also I should say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, Josh, you deserve a Father's Day present more than I do probably because you're getting kicked in the shins, it seems like, all the time by your little guys. Uh, but yeah, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, and I remember last year, Father's Day, uh, my son was playing in a baseball tournament in, it, in Portland, and it was a little bit chilly. So it seems to happen after we get some good weather, it cools off. But I'm sure the heat and uh, fires are headed <laughs> our way. All right. Let's, as always, if you want to be part of the program, you can give us a call, 877-670-7117, or email us by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let's talk about the week that was in the capital markets. Um it feels like 2021 again, right, Josh? It's rainbows and butterflies. I think the market is on MDMA. Biggest, uh, biggest inflows into stocks since 2021. About yeah, because uh, what do you do? Thirty after, months after the market, a lot of stocks go to all-time highs. You buy them. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta buy the stuff that goes up. Yeah. as Grayson says. Uh, so U.S. stocks, as measured by the S&P 500, were up three percent. Yes, you heard me right, three percent last week. Uh, the Nasdaq was up uh, over four, almost four and a half percent. Nasdaq is just crazy how much it's ripped so far this year. We're off actually to one of the best starts, best first year part, first first half of the year um, ever. Actually, believe that or not, uh, international developed market stocks uh, were three percent higher. Also, emerging market stocks were up two and a half percent. Uh, small caps were the definite laggards. They were up only a quarter of 1%, essentially flat, depending on when index you looked at in the small cap universe. Uh, in the bond market, we didn't really see much of a move in the rate complex. We saw the aggregate bond index. So think of the uh, S&P 500 of the bond world was mostly unchanged. Uh, the yield on a six-month treasury is 5.35%. The yield on a one-year treasury is 5.24%, and a 10-year treasury yields 3.77. So as you can see, the yield curve is still inverted. And I was looking back at different times when we've seen the yield curve inverted before recession. Uh, and there were some times where the yield curve was inverted for quite some time before the recession actually started. Um, you, have, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are now starting to be in the camp that maybe we're not going to have a recession. Um, not necessarily people I respect very much in terms of their economic forecasting. Uh, but but nonetheless, we're getting more and more people chirping about maybe we won't go into a recession. Uh, I guess all that matters is uh, what actually happens. Gold was unchanged last week, 1971 an ounce, and oil traded up about a percent and a half at uh, $71.80 a barrel. So we had quite a bit of market moving uh, events last week. We had a lot of economic data come out. We had the Fed, uh, and the, they finished their Federal Open Market Committee meeting on Wednesday where they did leave interest rates unchanged, uh, I guess, depending on who you listen to, the Fed paused. Um, so the Fed funds rate is at a range between five. I hate that they call it in a range now. I wish, you know, going back, they used to just be call it a number. But uh, we're in a range between five and five and a quarter. Um, but on Wednesday in his press conference, uh, Chairman Jerome Powell indicated that even though they are pausing. They are expecting two more rate hikes sometime in 2023. Um, and what's weird to us um, is uh, – what am I saying here? What's weird to us is that uh, – well, I don't know, Josh. What's your take on it as I collect my thoughts? 
<laughs> I mean, two thirds of the Fed projecting two hikes left in 2023. The market's got a single digit percentile chance of that happening. Fed funds futures have been very, very, very wrong over the last three years, but I don't know what gives here. It's a, obviously a lack of trust given uh, well, given only, the Fed's history here over the last couple of years. I think only two members, two Fed governors, said that they didn't think two more rate cuts were necessary. So, you know, we, I think we have to believe that the Fed is going to. My question is: is um, clearly, it's never been more clear to me that we are not in a restrictive poli- uh, interest rate policy. No, that, so, if, I mean, that's if, that's obvious. And so, you know, so good example on Wednesday. We're mildly restrictive, I'd on, say. On Wednesday, uh, a, a, a Mediterranean fast food company, so pretty, pretty, uh, you know, niche, I would say, uh, to say the least. Um, so a Mediterranean food company that is losing money, mind you, losing quite a bit of money, went public. Their stock doubled in the first day of trading. So to say that five and a quarter percent is restrictive is crazy if that is still happening. So um, what I don't understand, and there was a young fellow, I think he worked for the New York Times or one of those um, newspapers back east, uh, but he asked the, the chairman, he said, well, if you guys are planning on two more rate hikes, why not just rip the Band-Aid off? And I thought that was a good question. I'm in that guy's camp. It's like, if you know you're going to continue to hike rates, why not just keep doing it? And that's when the market says to, to, to you know, investors say, well, maybe they're pausing because, and then they're saying we're going to be data dependent because they're really not going to raise rates. That's where the market is, in my mind, at least. Um, and so, you know, what's clear is that even though we've seen the fastest increase in rates ever, we are still not in restrictive territory. In my mind, we're still quite a ways away when you can see some of the behavior that's happening in the capital markets where stocks, uh, there's big, big names up 100, 150%. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a, 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 NVIDIA's trading at 14 times sales. I mean, it's the most expensive large cap name in the history of the world. Well, the, um, meme, the meme basket has just ripped to the sky, which... You know, it's obvious that the speculative impulse that uh, characterizes markets now is nowhere near being quashed. Right, but, but without quashing it, you're going to continue to see. If interest rates were restrictive, that would not be happening. Precisely, so, yeah. And so what's what's odd to us is that everybody, you know, is, is squawking about the fact that rates are, uh, have gone up so much and everybody wants uh, the Fed to, to cut rates. But it's like, wait, we're not even restrictive territory yet because if we were, all of the behaviors, well, the speculative behaviors wouldn't be happening. You have a business like DoorDash where every quarter losses per delivery accelerate, meaning they continue to lose an increasing amount of money for every transaction that they execute and their stocks up 50% year to date. So, you know, all of that to, to, to say like, you know, when you think back in history, I mean, where rates are, yes, they're higher than they've been in quite some time, um, but we're still a ways away from, I mean, you go back to the to the late 90s when Bill Clinton was president, the market and the economy was ripping and rates were higher then than they are now. And so I think, you know, the idea that the Fed paused to me is mind-numbingly stupid. Uh, but again, they don't ask what I think. So we got the May inflation report, uh, uh, which we saw inflation came in four uh, percent higher year over year. So inflation is still s- sort of persistent and stubborn, and and yes, it's come down quite a bit. But two percent, uh, you know, four percent still double core is where they want it to be. Core is at five percent annualized. I mean, it's just. <laughs> yeah, and we got retail sales were much better than expected. Consumer yeah. sentiment came rocketed higher. Is I mean, anyone surprised by the reality of retail sales smashing expectations? But even consumer sentiment, so the consumer is feeling be. good. And so, you know, all of this goes to say, like, you know, Josh and I did a, a video last week where we're like, you look, you know, the, we, we don't see how we don't at some point get to restrictive uh, where we have s- rates where they're somewhat restrictive, which quashes some of this activity because inflation people is not going away under the current s- situation where people are speculating and all sorts of I mean, of as part of that consumer sentiment survey, the Fed will be heartened by the fact that inflation expectations uh, amongst the consumer are coming down, which... But the, the problem with that is it, it, it works again. So when inflation expectations come down, People think, oh, well, we're not going to – rates are going to stop going up. We're, the economy is going to do fine. We're not going to have a recession. And then infl- inflation is really hard to deal with in, unless you kill demand. And demand isn't going anywhere. Look at all the numbers. The numbers are saying that you know, it's, it's 2021 again, people. I'm sorry. And well, so the, if the Fed doesn't a, learn the lessons that Paul Volcker in the early 80s, we're going to repeat it. Just it just seems like we're setting up for the double dip in like 2024 when the earnings recession actually – asserts itself because there will be carnage in certain markets when all of this 
low-yielding debt has to get rolled over and refinanced. All right, if you'd like to be part of our program, you have a question for us or a comment, call us, 877-670-7117. Or you can always email us if you go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about sort of the sequence of which accounts you should start when you, uh, to withdraw your money from when you're retired. So stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. wondered about the difference between top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and the number one ranked Sealy Hybrid Mattress? Would you like to compare the sleep benefits of those top brands to all-natural mattress options like Posh & Lavish or even organic latex and two-sided mattresses? The sleep experts at Cascade Mattress and Bedroom Furniture have decades of experience in helping people sleep well. Their experience will help guide you through the maze of mattress styles, comfort, and support now available in town or online. In about an hour, Cascade Mattress takes the time to help you narrow it down to the best options within your budget. Find locally owned and operated Cascade Mattress and Bedroom Furniture in the Bend Factory stores right next to Nike and Columbia. Everyday value warehouse prices, Cascade Mattress. Online at CascadeMattress.com or call 541-678-REST. It's fishing season, Central Oregon. Guys' season at Finn and Firefly Shop is in full swing, and we're accepting bookings for lower Deschutes River float trips. If you're new to fly fishing or an experienced angler, you'll enjoy a full day floating the scenic Deschutes River and fishing for feisty redside trout. This is definitely a trip you won't forget. So book online at finandfire.com or swing into the shop and schedule your trips today. As the summer approaches, look no further than Finn and Fire for everything you need for fly fishing. We have complete fly rod packages starting at $198, and you won't find a larger wader selection anywhere else in Central Oregon. From Sims, Patagonia, Squala, Grundens, and Orvis, we have the waders and boots you're looking for this season to get you into the river. So swing into the shop and talk with our experienced Fin and Fire staff to get the latest fishing reports and have us steer you in the right direction on your next river outing. Fin and Fire on Highway 97 in Redmond or shop with us anytime at finandfire.com. Adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now they're SkyRizzy. Rizenkizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clear skin at four months. And SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go hand in hand. Nothing on my skin, that's my new plan. Don't use if allergic to SkyRizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic and psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRizzy to learn more. Connect to the Financial Focus Radio Show on YouTube or iTunes. Listen to past shows, get our bi-weekly e-news, and keep up to date on the market. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter on our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let's get back to the show. If you'd like to take one of us up on a free retirement review, uh, we'll give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life, your portfolio, your estate plan, your financial plan. Whatever you want to talk about is fair game. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get it scheduled. The number here is 
888-888-0988, or you can always uh, send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Just let us know you'd like a free retirement review, and we will get you on our calendar. This information comes from Bloomberg, uh, and this is why we talk about time in the market uh, rather than trying to time the market. But for all of you grandparents out there, uh, remind your grandchildren about how important the power of compounding is, and the most important part of the uh, compounding process is time. So if you start save, if you don't start saving until you're 45, you will need to save three times as much money as if you start at the age of 25. So if you wait 20 years, you have to save three times as much to get to the same place. Um, and so when I bring that up, you know we don't necessarily care how much somebody saves. If it's 25 bucks a month, it still counts. Uh, and so the younger and the sooner you can start saving money and investing it, of course, uh, the better off you'll be. And you can allow that power of compounding. When you think about the wealthiest people on the planet, like the, the, the Buffett's, you know, but most of 80 plus percent of Buffett's wealth has really come in the last 10 years because he's had the power of compounding. When he was my age, he, he was wealthy, of course, but he was, you know, it, his wealth now on a relative basis and absolute basis dwarfed the wealth he had in, at 46. And all, all that, the only difference was uh, that power of compounding. And so if, you're, if you can start when you're 16 and you have a job and you start contributing to a Roth IRA and putting it in the total stock market, uh, that power of compounding is unbelievable. And the best part is you don't have to do anything except save the money. A really common question we get is what percentage of my income should I be saving for our clients that are in that accumulation phase? And the answer is always just more sooner. And our profession tries to extrapolate returns in this linear fashion and worry about what you can control, which is your contrib contribution rate and the timing of the contribution itself. Yeah, believe us, the most important factor in how much money you have for retirement isn't your, the returns you get, as long as you get decent returns. And if you, if you just get 6.5% or 6%, more impactful to you is is how much you're able to save and how consistently you're able you're able to do it and precisely why we say average returns for an above average period of time is going to lead to fantastic results so and then before we talk about um uh qcds uh i, I did want to bring this up um deutsche bank did a study uh and they did it's a long-term assets stu return study and they said that the last time interest rates were near current levels, which was the 1950s, they weren't quite as low as they are now, but the last time they were really, really low, treasury bonds lost 40% of their inflation-adjusted value over the following three decades. Uh, I would say the, the prospect for treasuries is probably worse on an inflation-adjusted basis from where we sit today over the next 30 years. It's probably more like 50%. And so, you know... Bond markets move in much longer cycles than stock markets. You know, when you think about cyclical bear markets and cyclical bull markets in the stock market, they're it's the entire short, career of short of but most bond, professional investors. Yeah, yeah. bond markets. Uh, and so, you know, we just went 1980, 1982 is when this current the last bull market in the bond market started. We think it probably ended sometime last year. That's a long time for interest rates to go down and bond prices to go up. We think the opposite is going to happen. It almost coincides with forward. the 30 year period before it at 30 year increments. It's the vast majority of your working career is encapsulated within one, uh, one pendulum swing within the fixed income landscape. Right. So, okay, let's talk about Qualified Charitable Distributions, or QCD. So for those of you that are in the required minimum distribution phase of your life, meaning you are 72 years or older, uh, you know that you, if you have an IRA, traditional IRA, you, the government says you have to start taking money out of that because they, they want to tax that money. Remember, you got the tax credit or benefit on the front end when you made the contribution and you didn't have, you didn't have to pay income taxes on that money, then it grew tax deferred. And, and now the government says, you know, even though you don't might not need this money, we are forcing you to take it out in the form of a required minimum distribution. Uh, so we can get tax revenue on that money because it's taxed as ordinary income. And so, you know, a lot of you out there listening, a lot of our clients say, you know what, I really don't need this money uh, and I don't really don't want to pay taxes on it. What are my options? Uh, and one of the most popular and, and co common options that people uh, use, especially if you're charitably inclined, is something called a qualified charitable distribution. So, Josh, why don't you describe 
what a qualified charitable distribution uh, is from an IRA. Well, a QCD is simply just a direct transfer of funds from the custodian of your IRA. So whether it's LPL, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, whatever it is, payable directly to a 501c3 qualified charity. And uh, for a lot of you that are charitably inclined, um, in lieu of taking ordinary income uh, that you don't actually want, uh, your financial advisor or your custodian can facilitate that dis distribution uh, directly to the charity. So it doesn't go through you. It goes directly from custodian to custodian, and that's the key. And uh, you don't have to withhold any taxes. The charity gets the full extent of the gift. So if you were already giving money to charity, it's a fantastic solution to avoid uh, additional taxable ordinary income and to actually uh, increase the magnitude of your giving because you're not withholding any taxes. So the important sort of things to know is that you can you can give up to a maximum of $100,000. So that's a lot of you say, well, Mike, what are you crazy? My RMD isn't $100,000. Well, guess what? We have clients and there are a lot of people out there that have IRAs that are that are big enough that their RMD is over $100,000. You can't give more than $100,000, but you can give up to $100,000 as a qualified charitable distribution. That's that's the important thing to know. Um, the charity doesn't care. It, you know, let's say you're donating. You, the charity sells whatever you're donating immediately, so it's not like the charity cares. You know, if you're giving them securities or whatever, they they sell it immediately. Uh, the important thing to know. Josh mentioned 501c3. It has to be a 501c3 charity recognized by the IRS. If it's, you know, there's a lot of entities out there that call themselves charities, but the tax, you know, the IRS hasn't said that yes, they are. They haven't been approved to be a 501c3. Uh, so that's important for you to know if they are in fact. Um, some, you know, in the past, I thought I was working uh, with 501c3s, and I looked them up on. You know, there's websites you can look them up, and they, I found out that they weren't. Uh, and so that's important. And then lastly, like Josh said. It has to go directly from wherever your IRA is held directly to the charity. It can't go to you first. It has to go from that custodian to the charity's custodian. And so when we do this for our clients, when we do QCDs for our clients, we just say, okay, let's say you want to give it to your church or the Humane Society or whatever it is. Um, we ask them, you just got to get the name of the person at that charity that is responsible for this. All of these charities have a person that does this, uh, and we just reach out to them. Those people know exactly what instructions to give us, and you're just going to have to sign a couple forms that your financial advisor will send you, uh, and it's really, really easy. And then the charity will send you a letter that you can use on your taxes. So um, this is a great way for anybody that's charitably inclined or has thought about being charitably inclined. Uh, instead of giving a charity after-tax money and trying to get the tax credit, it, a better way to go if you're in the retire, required minimum distribution phase of your life is do this qualified charitable uh, distribution, QCD for short. Um, if you uh, have questions about it, you want a free retirement review, want to know more how that works, uh, you can uh, call our office to get a free retirement review scheduled if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets. The number here is 800 743 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. And send us an email. We'll be right back. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on YouTube or on NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Making a difference? Get your tickets to Cork and Barrel 2023, presented by Avion Water Company and Benefiting Kids Center, Central Oregon's nonprofit working to end child abuse. Attend the popular wine tasting party SIP on Friday, July 21st, or the always anticipated Grand Cru Gala Dinner on Saturday, July 22nd. This year's Cork and Barrel features wineries from the wonderful Walla Walla Valley Wine Region. Your participation will make a difference in the life of a child. 
Get your tickets now at corkandbarrel.org. That's corkandbarrel.org. Cork and Barrel is made possible by Avion Water Company, Northwest Foundation, First Interstate Bank, Les Schwab Tire Centers, Central Oregon Daily, TDS, Bigfoot Beverages, Central Oregon Radiology Associates, Klein Investment Strategies, On Point Community Credit Union, and Combined Communications. Outdoor season has arrived, and so has all the fun stuff at Eastside Gardens, where great things grow. The veggies are in, hanging baskets are up, and the Eastside Garden goodies. Buy four perennials and get a fifth one free. All yard art is on sale at 20% off. You'll love it at Eastside Gardens on Southeast 27th at Darnell. Open 9 to 5, 7 days a week. Look for the giant rooster and those in-store specials. Eastside Gardens, where great things grow. Hiya, this is Christy from the Cosmic Depot. I've been up to it again, stirring up creative inspiration around my little shop of wonder and curiosity. Right now, Cosmic Depot is in the midst of lots of freshening up. You may find that every time you come in to peruse my selection of tapestries, incense, fragrance oils, natural stone beads, silver jewelry, spiritual tools, and the abundance more, the shop looks a little different. Cosmically inspired and locally motivated, I am on a mission to give you a super fun shop experience. I want Cosmic to be that shop that you come to when you need a little sparkle in your day. A place where you bring your friends and family to when you are looking for a little adventure. And your go-to for thoughtful gifts of all kinds. Cosmic can be a spot of magic in your day. And the Cosmic Depot is your spot. Your shop for good vibe products of all variety. Come on by and see the changes afoot daily from 10 to 6 at the Cosmic Depot at 342 Northeast Clay and Bend. We live in a high desert wonderland. And you like to be outside. The Ben Factory stores have what you need. For the Central Oregon outdoor lifestyle. Make a bold statement and save up to 70% every day. Over 20 famous brand names like Columbia, Nike, and Pendleton. And locals like Learning Express Toys, Runway Fashion Exchange, and Cascade Mattress and Bedroom Furniture. Shop with nothing in mind and find exactly what you wanted. Great buys that reflect your personality. Feeling crafty? Check out Learning Express Toys' website and follow them on Facebook to learn more about their early release Wednesday crafts. And don't miss out on their summer events. Learning Express hands-on experience with toys is fun for children of all ages. It's a buying experience that can't be matched in an ordinary toy store or online. Don't forget to sign up for the birthday box registry. Smart shoppers start at the Ben Factory stores, South Highway 97. Because everyone needs an outlet. Trex Transcend Lineage Decking from Building Solutions reflects the sun and your sense of style. Designed with heat-mitigating technology, it's literally Trex's coolest decking yet. Stop in on Trex Wednesdays and let your local Trexperts help you plan your new Trex deck. Purchase your new Trex deck on Trex Wednesdays and receive free hidden fasteners, plus free delivery on Friday. Every Wednesday is Trex Wednesday, only at Building Solutions in Bend and BuildingSolutionsBend.com. Trex Lineage and Building Solutions, literally cooler. You're listening to Financial Focus Radio Show, where you get honest and actionable advice every week from the partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Remember, you can always listen to past shows on iTunes or find us on NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you do want to be part of the program, if you have a question or a comment for the show, 877-670-7117. We promise we'll be will be on our best behavior when we answer your question or comment. Um, so there's a great book called The Creature from Gretsch, uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island, and it's about the formation and the creation of the Federal Reserve. So one thing that I believe to be true, and I don't know how anybody else will disagree with this, that the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States, was never meant to play such an important role, or, you know, big role in the U.S. economy that it does today. Uh, you know, their their goals, their mandates were price stability and full employment, and those weren't always the goals of the central bank. You know, b- before, if you think about, um, you know, during the, right before the Great Depression, um, when J.P. Morgan essentially had to stop the run on banks, 
the Fed was sort of, it's like, well, maybe we could create a central bank in the United States and the, this Fed can take the place and, and um, create some stability and, and sort of be a backup. And, you know, the Federal Reserve, just like any organization, they're, they're just cr- trying to grow and be more important. Maybe it's not on purpose, but that's what's happening. Just like, you know, unions are always trying to grow. It's crazy to me. But when you think about a union, you know, union theoretically shouldn't be always trying to get new members perpetually, uh, you know, but they are always trying to grow. And so um, that's the Fed. I mean, and it's never, it it was never supposed to be such a huge, important thing in in the United States. But here's where we are. And most people don't realize that the most powerful man in America isn't the president or the governor of whatever state. It's Jerome Powell, who's the chairman of the Federal Reserve. I mean, he has way more impact on your day-to-day life than any of those other people. I know people will argue with that, but then they don't know what they're talking about because they don't understand how the world works, and that's why they're mad. And that's why they drive around with flags and stuff. But it's, it's crazy to read about just how regionalized the U.S. banking system was pre-Federal Reserve. And we were just so fractured, and there was... All of these different competing considerations. Well, based but it on made sense, right? Because like, if you're country. in the Midwest and there's yeah. agriculture yeah. versus like the you know the steel and everything yeah, in the Northeast, it's really neat. Um, so here, here's what's true: is that you know everybody also like when they talk about the Fed, they think of them as like being these people, all-knowing people that have all this information available and they're making decisions uh, that are the right decisions. And the lessons are that the Fed has consistently underestimated inflation and its presence. That's that's been a consistent theme. The Fed is nearly always behind the curve. They're always they've been reactive instead of proactive, right? So, you know, the Fed talks about being proactive, but that's not what they are. They're they're always reactive, uh, and the Fed is terrible, awful at forecasting almost anything, including their own actions. Right, so they're really bad at forecasting what's going to happen in the economy. I mean, they I could not believe when they said inflation was going to be transitory. It, it made you, you know, you looked at what was happening and you said, "Guys, tell explain to me what if that's true, Jerome, then inflation is always transitory." <laughs> right? And so, uh it, it's just crazy to me that this this entity made up of these men and women who are really smart people. I mean, infinitely smarter than I would ever wish to be or ever hope to be. Um, but that doesn't mean they're good at policymaking um, because, you know, the biggest challenge, I think, is that they don't get out and they don't come to places like Bend, Oregon and see what's happening um, with economic activity. It's all on a spreadsheet and most of it they're reading about. And there's a, that's very different than seeing the actual activity uh, in places like Bend, Oregon and Boise, Idaho and, you know, uh, Miami Beach and all of these places where people <laughs> – are making it rain, uh, and that is very inflationary. As long as, but whatever. Okay, let's tackle some email questions. This comes from Graham. Uh, I listen to your show often. You guys talk about asset allocation and diversification quite a bit. Uh, how do I know which asset classes I should be including in my asset allocation? That's a good question, Graham. Uh, well to consider what asset classes you should be including in your asset allocation, you know, that's usually a function of the purpose of your money and also your situation. But, um, you should include the basics are large cap U S stocks, mid cap U S stocks, small cap stocks, uh, developed international stocks, emerging markets, and depending on your appetite for diversification, maybe a little allocation to real estate. And that's REITs, yeah. Yeah, real estate investment trusts, publicly traded ones. Um, but that's kind of the, the gist of that in itself will pretty much capture uh, every in publicly traded stock that you need to own. And that's just on the equity side of your allocation. So Josh is right. That's your, that's your you know, when you think about how do I allocate my stock money, um, we like to be very specific about getting those allocations to those asset classes. Um, you can do the, you can get those allocations um, with a few funds, really. At Vanguard, you know, they have total market index. They have the total international, and then you know you can um, get get a, a bond index if you like, and, and really get it accomplished. Not very well with three funds, but you can get all those asset classes in there. Um, we like to be more specific, and so that's a, it's a good question, Graham. Um, you know, there is so Josh and I have what we think is right 
uh, as an asset allocation for our clients and our client base. But it doesn't mean we're, you know, we're the end all be all. Uh, we like to think that sometimes, but only our dogs think that that's true. And so um, if you ask our wives, I'm sure that they would tell you that we could be done a lot better. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's like if you think about David Swenson, who has run the Yale Endowment and has really good long term numbers. I mean, 15 percent annualized numbers for the Yale Endowment. His asset allocation looks very different, but but that's because it can because he has uh, longer you know th- that money is used very differently. He has a lot more money of it money, so he has more access to to, to certain alternative asset classes like Timberland and certain things like that that we don't. But um, asset you know Josh is right in the basics are, are those asset classes on the stock side, and then on the bond side in a normalized interest rate environment, and that's not where we are now. But a normalized interest rate environment, you'd want to have some bonds that you took some credit risk, meaning they're lower credit quality or or, or you know, invest in the bottom part of the investment grade, corporate bonds, uh, and you might want to own some muni bonds, um, you, you know, some treasuries. Uh, but right now, on in our asset allocation, we just own very short duration U.S. Treasury bonds because as the as the bond market changes and the interest rate environment changes, the credit market changes, we will change our asset allocation on the bond side of things. But right now, we don't feel like uh, that's the time to do it, and so. Graham, the important thing that you're thinking about it, and you know, there's lots of different places you can go and get an idea about different asset classes and how they react in different environments. Um, and so, you know, BlackRock's asset allocation is going to be different than Vanguard's asset allocation, than Schwab. Every, all of those companies are going to have different ideas about asset allocation. But Josh is right in that the basics are you going to want to have those tools: the large cap U.S., mid cap U.S., small cap U.S., developed international. Uh, and then, you know, some small allocations is probably emerging markets and real publicly traded real estate investment trusts. Some people add commodities to that. We don't happen to be in that camp because we don't think the risk reward store is very good. Um, and so, you know, there are lots of different asset classes out there. And then the thing to know, Graham, is to understand how they behave. And so what's happened over the last say 20 years, 15 years, uh, whether you have an advisor or you're doing it yourself, is asset allocation has sort of gone away. And, and people might have 10 different funds in their uh, in their portfolio, but they really, these 10 funds own the same stocks. And so nobody, you know, they're all just usually U.S. large caps allocation. And so when we, Josh and I do a free retirement view and people come into our office and we look at their accounts, it's like, you have all these funds, but they all own the same companies, and so which can be good in certain times. Well, it, but it, it, but it's not accomplishing what what you think it's accomplishing exactly. in that d- diversification. And so, yes, it worked great when U.S. large cap growth stocks were going up, but if that is the next decade, that's not going to be the case because the cost of capital goes up and and cash flow matters, and and these boring businesses that have been left for dead uh, start to to matter again. You're not going to have exposure to these names, and you know when you look at the world today and you look at the United States. Today, from a valuation perspective, small cap stocks, relatively large cap, are the cheapest they've ever been. Same with mid cap. And most of you out there listening to us right now don't have explicit exposure to these asset classes. Uh, and that can be okay if, you're, if you understand that, but um, you're probably giving up future return uh, by, by a- avoiding these asset classes. So, Graham, that, that is, you're right. We do talk about diversification a lot and asset allocation, um, but it, it's important to know, okay, well, if those things are so important, how do I accomplish that? And uh, we, we do it a certain way, but that doesn't mean we're the end-all, be-all. Obviously, we, we think that our way of doing it is right, but, but obviously David Swenson would say you guys are missing out. Uh, and relative to his performance, he'd be right. <laughs> uh, all right. If you would like to sign up for our e-newsletter, Josh and I do a video in the middle and end of every month. We did one last week. Go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Send us an email. Just let us know you'd like to be added to our e-newsletter list. When we come back, uh, we're going to go through an estate planning guide, some certain sort of uh, 500 or 50,000 feet on what you should think about when you're thinking about your estate plan. Stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. 
Sun River Owners Association presents Turp Tunes, a free concert and variety show series every Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m. starting June 25th through July 23rd at Sharks John Gray Amphitheater in Sun River. Turp Tunes is fun for the whole family and supported by SROA, Sun River Brewing Company, Best Best and Krieger Attorneys at Law, The Source Weekly, Sun River Chamber of Commerce, and this station. Visit sunrivershark.com for more info. Today I'll get a workout in at the fitness center. Tomorrow, maybe some rafting on the Deschutes River. Or I could go for a swim and spend the afternoon by the pool. It's pretty easy to fill your calendar when you live the life you love at Stonebriar. Walk the nature trails at Pilot Butte, or maybe give Tracy a call. We can go shopping in Bend on Saturday. Sunday, read a book on the deck. And after an active day outside, you come home to gorgeous resort-style one, two, or three-bedroom apartments with cook's kitchens, spacious bath, full-size washer and dryers, computer labs with free internet, covered parking, and... My fur babies. Pets allowed. Stonebriar is currently accepting applications. Their beautiful landscape grounds feature two clubhouses and are on Highway 20 near 27th and Bend. Google Stonebriar Apartments for details. Stonebriar, professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. Stonebriar Apartments. The best of resort living. Ever say people have stopped drinking milk? Well, not everyone, but some of us have problems digesting it and need to be dairy free. Did someone say dairy free? Try Sherry's Hazel Cream in your coffee or favorite recipe. It's delicious. Sherry's Hazel Cream Dairy Free Alternative. It's shelf stable. You add the water, plus it's made from Oregon hazelnuts. Sherry's Hazelcream.com. All of the move. None of the cow. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto, you're starting to speak another language, like magic. I love that Babbel's lessons aren't just robots talking. They're voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right. And they're designed by real language teachers, so you learn how to have real-world conversations, things you'll actually use. It's incredible. After using Babbel, I'm ready to start having real conversations in French. There's all kinds of ways to learn. Use Babbel's podcasts or games or videos. You can even join live classes with a language teacher. If you want to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. 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 Évidemment. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. Thank you for joining Financial Focus Radio Show. Honest, transparent analysis brought to you every week by Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Call the show anytime at 877-670-7117. We'll try to answer your question on the air in the following weeks. Now, back to the team from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Welcome back. I am part of said team, Tyler Simonis, and that guy over there, he's Josh Finelli. The one and only ladies, Josh Finelli. We're partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. I guess men, too. Uh, Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in Bend. And if, uh, if you want to sign up for our e-newsletter, uh, you can go to our website. That's uh, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Just send us an email. Say, add me to your e-newsletter list, and we'll get you on that list. You just uh, you in the, On the 15th and 30th every month, we'll get a short five- or six-minute video. Uh, from us talk or Josh and I are talking about what's going on in the capital markets and most importantly for our clients, how it affects their portfolios. This comes from Bloomberg again in, in the year, August, 2000 fortune magazine published 10 stocks to last the next decade uh, by December of 2012. So 12 years later, a portfolio containing those 10 stocks had lost 75% of its value. <laughs> and this is Fortune, right? There's some sharp cookies that work at Fortune. Again, another reason that if the so-called experts can't be picking winners, why do you think you are going to be so good at it either? So, it, it, you know, it, it's really, really hard. It doesn't seem like it should be hard, but it is really, really hard to pick stocks successfully. Most stocks have 
awful track records over time. Uh, and then, so this sort of reiterates that um, all economists agree that predicting a stock's price is tough, but only 59% of Americans agree with that statement. So, you know, most of you out there think that uh, picking winning stocks and, and knowing what the direction of the market is relatively easy to see. Uh, we know that that's not true. Josh and I know uh, doing what we do that, that, that it's not true. Um, you know, we had uh, in the middle of June toward the ends of June when the market was down, uh, the S&P was down 20 and the NASDAQ was down almost 30% on a year-to-date basis, worst start to the year in a long, long time. We had a lot of people saying to us that the market was going to go down another 20% by the end of summer. Here we are close to the end of summer and markets have rallied significantly. And our phones are dead. Yeah, and, and those people that the thought that the end of the world was imminent, guess what? They're gone. And, I, you know, it's so hard for us to not call them and say, well, what happened? Now that stocks are up, shouldn't we go to cash? Like, this is when we should go to cash, right? And, you know, it's like, why weren't you calling us last December when the market wasn't at an all-time high and saying, you know, I think markets are going to go down? No, you waited for markets to go down 20%, and then you called. And so don't be one of those people. You cannot time markets. It's time in the markets rather than trying to time the markets, which is how you'll be successful. But you should none of you should be out there picking individual stocks. Uh, if you do it over time, the S&P is going to trounce you. And I know you can say, I'm going to buy Amazon, I'm going to buy Apple, I'm going to buy Google. Those are all unbelievably great businesses. They've created wealth like almost nothing ever has. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're going to beat the S&P 500 over the rest of your investing lifetime. Statistically, the chances of that happening are close to zero. Okay, let's talk about taxable investment accounts. So, you know, this is one of those things that Josh and I take for granted, uh, knowing that these things exist. Uh, but when we talk to them, uh, when we talk about them with uh, prospective clients or clients and, and adding money to them or opening them and, and funding them, um, it's as if we're splitting the atom. So, Josh, first, just explain. I know it sounds basic, but explain uh, to everybody what a taxable investment account is. And then we can talk about why we think they're so great. Taxable investment account is just like it sounds. It's just essentially a bank account for stocks. And most people out there listening, you may already have one. And you probably call it or reference it as your brokerage account. And uh, that's just... A place that you know it's not you're not getting tax deferred growth like you would in an IRA and you're not being you're not able to uh, reduce your taxable income via uh, contributions it's just a place where you are parking money and you can own the exact same investments in a taxable account uh, that you buy in your retirement accounts yeah so I mean the advantage is so so the wealthiest people in the world uh, this is where most of their money is. So they either have it in the trust, but if you think about, you know, Jeff Bezos or or, or uh, Bill Gates or all these kids, they own most of their shares in the company in a taxable form. It's not in a tax deferred form because there are no contribution limits. You can put a hundred billion dollars in a taxable account, uh, which it, is its greatest advantage. Is the extreme flexibility that you're offered, and uh, it's. You know, that money is liquid in two days if you're buying something that settles on the New York Stock Exchange. So, so it's the other reason, you know, every, they, Bernie Sanders of the world talk about, Elizabeth Warren talk about why the wealthy pay the lowest, such low tax rates. You know, they say, well, you know, these guys are paying 15 or 20 percent taxes when their secretary is paying 25 percent. And it's because the, this is how most of these people get their – where they get their money. And the the tax the taxation of these accounts is at a much more Which I think rate a, than I, ordinary income. I think is a great segue to one of the other primary advantages of this type of account is it offers near tax free compounding if you plan carefully. So, you know, if you're like us and you're using exchange traded funds that don't pay capital gains each year, uh, you're essentially going to have very minimal tax liability associated with this account, provided you're not realizing actively realizing big gains. So, of course, I max out my retirement uh, contributions every year uh, dutifully, but, you know, I can save more. Thankfully, I'm thankful enough that I, I can save more above that. And so I save way more in this kind of account that's a joint account for my wife and I than I do anywhere else. And like Josh said, you have 
full liquidity. I have access to this money at any time. In fact, I have a checkbook on my uh, taxable investment account. I, I don't have to wait till I'm 59 and a half. If a business opportunity comes up, I can use it for that. Uh, and again, remember, I'm paying capital gains rate taxes, which is a lower tax rate than my income tax rate. And I'm just paying it on the gain, not the total amount, like when you take money out of your IRA. So there's a ton of flexibility that go along in owning a taxable investment account. And then most importantly, and this is the big one, um, when, because we've been doing this so long, when you get to retirement, and let's say you have a, a client with a $2 million IRA and you have a client with a $2 million taxable account, the person with a $2 million taxable account is in much better shape because their tax liability to get at their money is so much less than the person taking money out of the IRA. So if you take money out of a traditional IRA, you're paying ordinary income tax on the whole amount. So if you take out 10000 bucks and you live in the state of Oregon, uh, most likely you're going to net about 7500 after taxes, seven or 7500 If you take the ten, same $10,000 out of a uh, taxable account, you can do some tax planning that your tax liability might be negligible at best. The reason we're such big proponents is because you're able to control where your marginal dollar, that next dollar comes from. And so when you have those big one-time expenses, uh, you don't need to be rating your IRA above your required minimum distribution to access that money. So it lowers your overall cost of capital, gives you that big amount of flexibility. And we see the psychological impact of a higher net after-tax distribution and then that it leads to people actually wanting to spend their own money. We see this unnatural aversion to spending from a qualified account uh, because of the tax liability associated with distributions. The financial services industry, financial advisors, CPAs, want everybody to put as much money and have all their money in tax-deferred accounts. Uh, we're, we're just not as bigger proponents of that because when you get to retirement, like Josh said, the accessibility of these taxable investment accounts is so much better and you can control the taxes. So as long as you invest in tax-efficient investments, which is what you should be doing uh, in these kind of accounts, uh, you should be aggressively saving in a taxable investment account. All right, if you want to be part of the program, you have a question or comment, give us a call, 877-670-7117. Or you can always send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Stick around. We'll be right back. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com. 